It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Some people you just get right to. One of them is John Tamney, Vice President of Freedom Works and Director of the Freedom Works Center for Economic Freedom. His brand new book, When Politicians Panicked, The New Coronavirus, Expert Opinion, and a tragic lapse of reason. Now, that's got to get your attention. And, John, great to have you back and focused on Biden's first 100 days. We had a big speech. We had a lot of promises. What are your thoughts? Uh, My thoughts are that, boy, uh, lots of rhetoric, uh, hopefully very little reality. Uh, Let's never forget that there's no such thing as government spending. There's just politicized allocation of wealth that was first created in the private sector. So every dollar that they spend is an extra dollar that Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer are allocating. And let's say it's misallocating. And so it's a wet blanket on economic growth. It's going to delay what would be a much more vibrant recovery. It will delay progress by definition. And so I think Republicans are at their best when they're in the opposition. I hope they make a spirited defense against this. Now, I've kind of restructured even my thinking a little bit, altering it from redistribution to realignment of the economy uh, based on the the promises during the campaign, the proposals since the inauguration. And, yes, some of the actions have been taken. Some are in process and some hopefully never will be. That's kind of the mix in Washington. Do you see something beyond the kind of letting the economy recover on its own in spite of COVID, in spite of policy? Or do you see the realignment of how our relationship with government and individuals and business in this country exists? I don't see the realignment. What I see is growth always. Uh, We grow in the United States despite the barriers put in front of us by politicians. Let's never forget that Americans are the most dynamic, innovative, creative people on earth. And you talk to any entrepreneur, and I know you know lots of them, they'll tell you this is nothing. I remember back in 2009, an entrepreneur said, are you kidding me? I'm way too smart for Obama. I was way too smart for Bush. They stare death in the face every day, and so there's going to be growth. But I think it should always be looked at in terms of the unseen. What great, remarkable, life-changing, life-extending ideas will never see the light of day because Congress is consuming so much of the precious wealth created in the private sector? See, that's where I... I guess if you want to call it, began changing the way I, not necessarily how I look at it. I'm with you. Growth happens in spite of and in times of, right? Difficult things. Businesses start, you know, we've been working on a business in my case from 2019 forward. We continue to grow in this period. Now there are reasons for that. Some actually related to COVID taking advantage of the situation. Our economic foundation was pretty solid. And we took big hits. Do you think that some of these policies could have enough of an effect to stifle the growth in the short term? And could it have any long term effects? Uh, I don't see it having a major impact in the short term. Again, there's just this nature. There's this thing about Americans. They they can't not, not be productive. But long term, it's endless. 
Again, what cancer cures are not being experimented on right now? Uh, what transportation advances that would quite literally make the private jet common in our society for all income classes are not taking place? Uh, government is constrained by the known, and this is true whether it's Republican or Democrat. They focus on aiding and throwing money on what, what is known now, the services, the, the luxuries. What do entrepreneurs do? And you know this. They rush the future into the present. They rush an unknown, an unimaginable future into the present. And so the more that government spending is, quite simply, there is less funding out there, intrepid funding, for these oddball visionaries, the people like the Wright brothers who thought, wait, man can fly, and they were laughed at, oh, how dare you say that man can fly? What's not being funded so that government can be so wasteful? And so I think long-term we should be at least sad. You know, some of these proposals, the tax increases, right? I mean, I think what's the number now? Uh, as proposed, $6 trillion. But then it's the laws, that really, when you combine with the laws concern me, if they pass some of these, even if it's a 10-year sunset period, it does have an effect on the decisions people have to make to work with within those parameters. Is there anything you've seen or a couple of things you've seen in these first 100 days that you look at and say, this is the one that should never come to light? Oh, I think the most obvious one beyond the spending, which is just a tax on growth, is the capital gains tax. Uh, that is a penalty placed on investment success. Uh, you, you come from the world of banking. Your, your mother was, was at J.P. Morgan, if memory serves. Rich people, and that's the bank that serves the most rich people of all, rich people have options. They can put all their wealth in munis. They can quite literally fund government growth on the local and state level and, and avoid any taxation with it. Or they can be creative with it. They can invest in new ideas. Let's never forget that Silicon Valley was a creation of Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, and Phipps. Well, families so rich that they could take risks on companies that die nine out of ten times. And so to me, a, a, penal, a further penalty on capital gains makes it that much more expensive to invest in the future, at which point many are going to say, why would I risk everything? I'll just put it in munis and, and, and get the income from it and, and, and face no taxation on it. And so that's worrisome. It's dangerous. They quite, there are no companies and no jobs without investment first. Biden says he wants to raise the capital gains rate to 43% on the people with the most wealth who by definition have the most money to invest in the future. Yeah, it kind of defies common sense, which is something you talk about a lot. Let's look at some of the decisions around COVID and the political decisions. To shut down so many parts of our country and our economy, I mean, I got to ask the question, John, is there a line of where it's deliberate versus where it's ignorant or is it just political fear of, I don't know, I call them risk averse politicians who won't make a decision? Oh, I, I think you hit it on. It's risk averse. They quite literally panicked. That's why I named the book When Politicians Panic. They thought that if they didn't act. Amer free Americans would be so stupid as to engage in behavior that would lead to their hospitalization and death, as though we don't have an incentive to avoid what might harm us. And so they panicked, and they chose economic desperation as their virus mitigation strategy. Think about that. Economic growth has always been the biggest enemy of death and disease. 
It's because of economic growth that, that pneumonia is no longer the captain of man's death. It killed so many Americans indiscriminately that most never got the chance to die of cancer. When you were born in the 19th century, you had as good of a chance of dying as you did living. And if you lived, it was a short, very unhealthy life for the most part. If you broke your leg, it, it, assuming you lived from the femur break, you, your only option was amputation. And we live in a better world today. We can, we can cheat so many things that used to kill us. And economic growth is the source of it. Yet politicians chose economic desperation, wealth destruction to fight the virus. Historians will marvel at their abject stupidity. My guest, John Tamney, brand new book, When Politicians Panic, the new coronavirus expert opinion and a tragic lapse of reason. I want to go to expert opinion and based on what you just said. Look, to me, an expert adapts, adjusts. If you have lack of knowledge in the beginning, I'll use coronavirus as the example. You may be overly cautious, but as the data, the facts, and the again, that trust in people who don't want to die, right? I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure I can say we don't want to put ourselves at risk, but we understand the nature of the risk we're willing to take. What about these experts? I mean, I call it the Faucian bargain uh, just to put one person in that spotlight. Oh, it's tragic. And you're, you're, it doesn't, it, there's nothing wrong with being wrong. Science is all about doubt. It's not science unless there is doubt. Uh, Fauci in the 1980s thought AIDS could be transmitted just within households. That he thought this, that he was wrong, that doesn't indict him. We learn by people living. And so you and I would have taken precautions against the virus. Now, some people might be listening, okay, but yeah, uh, John and Dave, there's a lot of dumb people out there who would throw caution to the wind. And my response is, the people who throw caution to the wind are the most important producers of information for the experts of all. The people who reject expert opinion, who say, I'm going to go to every bar, I'm going to keep my business open, I'm going to go to every party, I'm going to make out with every girl and guy I see at every party. You need those people to find out if the assumptions about the virus are true. Does this behavior associate with hospitalization? Does it associate with death? Because without this information, we're blinded to the virus. The lockdowns didn't make us safer. They logically made us less safe because they they shrunk economic growth, but they also shrunk the process of free people living and producing information about how to get the virus, how to avoid it. What's the best way to avoid it? We still don't know because so many people had their freedom taken from them. Yeah, I refused on a personal level. I refused to be locked down. I I know how to be cautious. Again, I know my circumstance. The farmer knows his circumstance. The guy in the big building, the vertical in Wall Street or Chicago knows his circumstance and everywhere in between. I flew. My wife and I flew. We traveled. We continued to live. My mother wouldn't let it shut her down. Doesn't mean she wasn't cautious when she went out. And obviously, if you were elderly, you're more susceptible. So we made decisions. And those kind of decisions were being pulled away from us. And that is one of the biggest things that I've seen. The failure of people to stand up and say, I will not comply and add to that, I will be cautious within my circumstance. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, and, and absolutely. But I also think there's lots of people like you and me, your mother. My parents acted like your mother that what, 78 and 80. They still lived. They still flew. They still went to grocery stores. You're not going to take away our best, our final years 
by just locking us down. And so thank goodness people remember out in California last 4th of July, they said no fireworks show. So what did the California people do? They had, they staged fireworks show through, throughout the state. The, the, the politicians picked the wrong people to lock down. Look, many people did. And again, you need them. You need some people who will abide all the rules. But you need to find out if that's an effective way of mitigating the virus. But Americans, you know, we descend from the crazies. We descend from the oddballs who crossed oceans and borders in search of freedom. Uh, wrong people to lock down. When Joe Biden said in a recent speech that by the 4th of July, you should you, you, families should be able to get together in small groups for, for barbecues. Are you kidding? We've been barbecuing all year. So many of us have. And the, the arrogance of the political class to say that free people are, are, are a menace to themselves, that they will kill each other people by living. The, the levels of arrogance of this political panic, I, I think, should be talked about for a long time. Because, and historians will just, again, marvel at the shocking arrogance of the political class in 2020 and beyond. You know what I marvel at, too, John, is the hypocrisy of what we saw between, you know, protests that turn to riots, and I'm not picking on peaceful protesters, large masses gathering, and I'm applying the logic of yelling and screaming, no mask, no protection, and the way the media would look at that versus, say, a group of people going to the beach in the outdoors and swimming in the ocean or firing off a bottle rocket or whatever they want to do or going to a park. I mean, I was in a park yesterday, and I looked around, and I saw people with kids without masks. Granted, I'm in Florida. It's a little bit different environment than, say, California. In California, they'd probably come along and arrest you because I'm 30 feet from somebody, and I'm not wearing a mask. It's, it's just, it's tragic. It's tragic. This is so un-American. And that's what makes me saddest. We had the chance to set the example for the world. The way lockdown, take away freedom to fight a virus, we don't do that. And I think had we done that, I think we could have saved a lot of the world from a lot of misery. Because so many people look to Americans as their example. And that America, that so many Americans panic, that so many Americans are proud to be told what to do, that they want to feature their willingness to lie prostrate before government by putting on masks, even when they drive in enclosed cars. That they did this is so embarrassing to me as an American. Again, if people want to do that, that's okay. You want people to try different things. You want people to be free to quarantine all year if they want. But that we were forced to do it, that, that this was a political necessity, that politicians said we had no choice, that we'd be kicked off planes, that we would not be allowed in government buildings in federal areas. Oh, the arrogance of it. And what a signal it says to the rest of the world. I think this is the embarrassing thing. They talk about the whole world is watching. We have the whole world watched America act like a bunch of babies. You know, this, <laughs> I got a joke for that. I won't even, I won't even use that one on air. <laughs> I know, I, what, I, I know what the word is, David. I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> John Tabney, my guest, by the way. I think you know him by now. Uh, John, you know, looking ahead and as states and data and the, the the facts, not not statistics, but the facts. And like you, you know, mentioned, say the correlations between where lockdowns to not lockdowns and all the various things, infection rates, et cetera, start to come more to light. Do you think the people forget the politicians for a minute? Do you think the people are paying more attention to that and saying, I'm sick of the expert opinion? Oh, yeah. 
uh, for for how long have people said, oh, the right don't experts that that they that are science deniers and everything? Can you blame them based on this? This is the most colossal policy failure in history. Um, the statistics for the longest time, really from the beginning, rejected these notions. You and I follow the stock market. The virus begins in China, is spreading rapidly there. Had it been a lethal virus, we would have known in 2019 because U.S. stock markets would have crashed to reflect the fact that our biggest market was dying off in, in, in major numbers. So we knew all along. But the statistics continue to prove this. Now, my only concern about a statistical argument is that it wins the war, the battle at the, at the expense of the long-term war. It implies that politicians have the right to take away our freedom if something is truly a threat. No, they don't. They have no right to do that, and I would add it's perilous for them to do so. What is, why is force needed if a virus is spreading? And it threatens to kill you. Again, as you and I know, we are going to take much, much bigger precautions than government, than the experts tell us to do well ahead of them. And in fact, that's what Americans do. That's what I document in the book is that in the you know, the science denying states that lockdown last. Guess what? Their citizens made the most precautions first. They stopped going out as much. They bought masks. They bought hand sanitizer. They were doing things that even politicians were telling them not to do just because they want to preserve their existence, because they don't want to go to the hospital. They were extra careful. We did not need experts. What we needed was freedom, and they took it from us. And when you take away freedom, you get central planning, and you get the crisis that they created. They panicked. They created a crisis, and we need to let the world know it. Well, we will certainly see this open up. In I, I think we'll see this interestingly play out, rather, or that's a bad way of saying it. We'll see this play out, and I'll be interested in it around July when, when Independence yep. Day comes. New York, de Blasio and Cuomo now arguing over who opens faster, better. Biden promises July 4th. I think that's political marketing, Independence Day. Look, America, I've opened it up. I think that's just maybe a cynical political thinking on my part. But that's what I see. Totally. Uh, we, 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 we're already living. Tough, tough guys. We've already been living. How dare you take away our freedom? Yeah. And then tell us when we can have it back. <laughs> that just never worked for me. Yeah. I will not comply. I will. And I probably never will. <laughs> of course not. All right, John. Great to have you. Congrats on the book. Uh, doing well. I did some check-in. And I, by the way, I tweeted it out. So for all of you, you can go uh, pick it up. When uh, uh, The book is great. When politicians panicked, the new coronavirus, expert opinion, and a tragic lapse of reason. There's a song in there somewhere. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, David. I really appreciate it. All right. Yeah, they they did do this to us, folks. And many of you didn't comply or doing fine. Didn't say you weren't careful. Just didn't comply. 866-95-PATRIOT-957-2874. I'll be right back. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.